Hey everyone, Greg here. Just want to let you know that episode 14 is going to be broken into two parts. Part 1 covers our usual topics like follow-ups and theme updates. And part 2 is a conversation about a topic that's been in the news a lot recently, which is GameStop. So if you want to hear that conversation first, go ahead and jump to part 2. Otherwise, enjoy the show. How about uh, we do some coffee talk? Let's do some coffee talk. What's what's new in your coffee life, Greg? I had to declare bankruptcy with my <laughs> with my whole beans. They're gone. They're no longer on my kitchen. <laughs> to be counter. clear, you're not saying all of your beans. You're saying with the beans that were not pre ground. Correct. Yeah. So I still have my ground coffee, but I no longer have whole bean bags of coffee sitting on my kitchen counter. So when you so, declare uh, bean bankruptcy, where do the beans go? In the trash. Wow. Is that how real bankruptcy works? Money just goes in the trash? I might one day find out. We'll see. (laughs) Well, that's disappointing. Anything else new? I mean, no. Well, I've actually, yeah, yeah. I didn't think about this before, but I've been drinking Pete's coffee, Mm. ground, and I really like it. It's good. It makes really good coffee. Did you get my Snapchat the other day of a Pete's coffee in Chicago? I didn't, but... (laughs) I'm not a big Snapchatter. I should do better. I apologize. <laughs> it's okay. I forgive you. Uh, um, but the funny thing is that, so I love the Pete's coffee. Like, I love the coffee it makes. Mm-hmm. However, it makes my coffee machine much dirtier than any other really? coffee. Yeah. I, I'm shocked, that too. That is like, odd. So, for some reason, the... There's like the spout, right? When I shut the lid to my coffee, my drift coffee maker, there's like the spout at the top, right? And it's like a flat, sort of like a flat panel with a, some holes in it. Mm-hmm. And this is where the hot coffee drips down. Yeah. And for whatever reason, that thing gets caked in like damp uh, coffee grounds. And none wow, of the so other the coffee, coffee is escaping the filter. It's going over or through the filter. Okay. It's going like up. So like the, the, the spout is... Like sprinkling water on top, yeah. and the coffee grounds are down below, and like the water's hitting those grounds, and then those grounds are, for whatever reason, they're shooting back up somehow. I guess I really can't explain it, but it's really <laughs> weird because I like huh. I wasn't paying attention to it for the first couple of days because it had never been a thing on any of my other coffee, and I opened up the coffee machine and I just realized like, oh, this thing is disgusting. It's like got all kinds of stuff on it, and I'm like, oh, maybe that's just been building up over time, and. Yeah. You know, I'm not very diligent, not very observant, whatever. I'm gross, <laughs> is what I thought. So then I clean it all up, right? Wipe it down. And I'm like, okay, I'll keep an eye out on this. Make sure this doesn't happen again. Um, so I make a pot of coffee, and I open up the top to throw out the grounds, and it's covered again. Like, not as bad. This because... is so odd that it's just one type of coffee that does this, too. Really I strange. Know. I'll take a pictures. I didn't. Good. But I, Our listeners, uh, <laughs> I'm sure, are dying to see. <laughs> it's pretty gross, though. It's really weird. But, like, the Starbucks coffee hasn't done it. Um, Is the grind size different of this one? Can you, like, tell that it's different size? I guess. It's, like, maybe a little finer. Hmm. But it's not, like, you know, it's not crazy different. Yeah, that's, I do wonder what could be causing that. Interesting. So I was wondering, maybe am I putting too much grounds in it? Maybe. Because I yeah. kind of it's bubbling prefer over. it. Yeah. 
that might be the cause. I don't know, but it's gross. And, but I don't, I like it though. So yeah, I, just, I'm just I mean, it's just coffee grounds. Easy enough to rinse. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I'm glad you've, you've settled on a brand. It sounds like, you know, which coffee you'll be buying for a while. I think so. Yeah. I really like it. It's good stuff. It's really good. Nice. <laughs> nice. I have, uh, I have been roasting my own coffee, um, which is much easier than it sounds. I have a popcorn maker. And you basically wait for like five or six minutes with the coffee in there. It depends on how powerful your popcorn maker is and dump it out and drink it over the next couple of weeks. So I've been doing that. It saves a little bit of money, but um, it's also, I think, mainly nicer because you can order, you know, big bags of this unroasted coffee and that lasts a while and then just roast a little bit of each of the kinds. So you get more variety, which I like. So I've been uh, been bouncing between some Rwanda and guatemala this week and a couple weeks ago i was doing who burma maybe i had i had a few others so i like the variety myself and i've definitely figured out through doing this that i like central american coffee the best which i already thought was true but i've really confirmed it now um even though i think north african is often considered the best coffee i have i have developed my own taste i guess Hmm. yeah so the you're roasting your own beans right that's what this is correct one tell me your how your apartment smells like coffee shop now oh it smells I'm- great <laughs> yeah no so good it doesn't just smell like coffee actually it's hard to explain but it's like um it reminds me almost like being at a like how i imagine a chocolate factory would smell like it's nuttier and more chocolatey than actual coffee taste i don't know why that's the case it might be because at the earlier stages of the roast you produce different smells um but yeah it smells great for a couple days but also it sets off my fire alarm if i don't keep the door closed so i have to confine (laughs) it to my my back bedroom okay well that's funny i have the same problem with the smoke alarm in my apartment i have to like take it off the wall if i'm cooking something that's gonna smoke up um and then when you when you do a, a cycle of roasting, how, how is that like a single serving of beans? Is that enough beans for a few, um, oh. for a few cups? Um, so w- one of those like six minute roasting periods produces maybe mm, maybe like two cups of coffee worth. Not a lot. And so I will generally what I've started doing is I will sit around for an evening um, or a morning and do some reading while I do that because there's a lot of downtime and I'll just do one load after another after another. And so maybe over an hour I can produce enough to last me a couple weeks. Yeah. So it's, it's a little bit labor intensive. It's not like super easy. And if I were just doing it, trying to value, like, is it worth my time to pay for pre-roasted beans? It would be, I probably should just do that, but there's other benefits I like about this. Right. Right. Well, it sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I am curious. So you like the South American beans. Um, Central American. Central American. Generally. Although I do like South American too. Yeah. Um, I'm on, I'm on, I don't, I don't know this. So maybe you can educate me. What type of climate is necessary to grow coffee beans? That's a great question that I don't actually know the answer to. (laughs) I would assume (laughs) it must be like somewhat tropical, but I don't really know. That's what I picture um, in my mind. It's like the yeah. rainforest. Mm-hmm. That's what I imagine. Because it's like, you know, Colombia and Central America and parts of North Africa. But I, I guess I don't know the geography of North Africa so well. Maybe 
maybe it's sub North Africa. Uh, cause obviously North Africa itself is desert mostly, I think. Yeah. Um, that's my, inter- that's my perception. Yeah. And then Indonesia produces a lot too. So it's, it's probably tropical. Yeah. Right. I was going to say, can we, you produce coffee beans in Southeast Asia <laughs> in your house? Yeah. That was going to be my next question is, do we even grow, do we grow any in North America? I have no idea. I bought Chinese coffee once. It was not good. I mean, it was just one time. Not really fair, <laughs> but I did buy it. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, because, I mean, Southeast Asia has a lot of jungles, mm-hmm. moist, temperate climate. Maybe you can I, grow off yeah. beans there. I don't know. I would think so. Yeah, well, I mean, Indonesia is off of Southeast Asia, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I would think that probably it could be hospitable. It probably depends on soil and if there's farmland and stuff. Yeah. Isn't India known as, like, the origin of tea for Britain? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I don't know how to how closely related these. I like, have no the idea. Production of tea versus coffee is no idea. I did do some reading about tea recently because I've also gotten into tea. I've I drink a ton of coffee and I decided I should probably cut back a little bit on how much coffee I drink. And so tea is a good alternative. I've also forced myself to drink some green tea. So with that, as with anything I get into, I did a bunch of research about it. So I learned a little bit about how tea is prepared, but I don't know much about how it is farmed. Mm, okay. Yeah. Well, that's the next. That's the next leg of the journey. You'll have to report back to me. Let yep, me the next frontier. And then what comes after tea? I have no idea. Mm, I don't know. I'm not sure there's anything else, right? Yeah. <laughs> right now, I'm just proud of myself for getting into green tea. Cutting cutting caffeine and sugar is a is a big step. I'm not a tea person. I'm not into tea. I don't like I green tea either. No. Used to think that was the case, but surprisingly, once I ordered good tea from the same place I order my coffee, it I, immediately I was sold. I think I've just been drinking really bad tea. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. That might be my case too. It's like I can't say I can't count it. I can't count Arizona tea as. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, real not. tea. Those like you know ninety cent cans or whatever. That's my experience with tea. <laughs> yeah, that I would not count. Yes. Well, anything else on coffee? Or should we move on to our, our other consumable that we update everyone on regularly? Huel. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. I I have made the move to order some Huel Black, um, which I know we talked about very briefly in a past episode, but it's their high-protein uh, high protein Huel. And what has led me to this, I don't want to get too into this, but um, at the beginning of this month, a lot of my reading was, what I was reading was uh, largely like, fitness stuff um what we know scientifically about diets which is admittedly not that much um and what we know about like weightlifting and one thing that did come up consistently was the amount of protein that you need even the minimum is pretty high um and i don't eat that much protein i am like i would i guess at home i'm basically pescatarian um and i when i go out to eat i will have uh chicken sometimes but I don't need a ton of protein in my diet. So I thought, you know, maybe I should just make the move to Huel Black and see, does this increase my protein enough to get to a reasonable level for the day? I don't know what it'll taste like. I have a couple bags coming in the next few days. So I'm I'm very interested. But I've been drinking a ton of Huel and I am just even more in on regular Huel than as last we spoke, which is hard mm. to believe. Uh, but I, I am very curious what I think about the new, the new type of Huel. Yeah, I'm curious to hear your thoughts too. Because... I mean, if you like it, I'll be willing to give it a try. I'm not familiar with a, what a, a what a, a pescatarian diet is, though. So can you explain? Oh, that it's to like me? what most people historically would have called vegetarian, but it's like you know, like a true vegetarian wouldn't eat fish technically because uh, they're animals. But pescatarian is I eat fish, but not other 
animals generally. Yeah. You draw the line at like they walk on the animals walk on <laughs> it's land. Not, it's not particularly about numbers of legs or anything, but yeah, that's just that. Uh, to you some did degree, say chicken. I heard. Yes. Yeah, now we've connected yeah. the dots. Got yeah. it. I mean, I yeah, I do eat meat when I get takeout, but I don't like meat enough to like justify it. So I mostly just do fish at home, which is usually pretty healthy too. Yeah. I mean, we're pretty big meat consumers. We like beef and pork and chicken, but I've been contemplating like, could we cut back on this? Both from me, more not so much as a health standpoint, but financially, like these are really expensive food products. That's true. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I'm yeah, little... fish only helps you so much there because a lot right. of the fish I eat is like uh tilapia and salmon which are not super cheap either it's not really saving much money there Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah well my update on huel is it's still great i'm still loving it yeah i've been glad to hear i've been cutting back on the amount of almond milk Mm. i use with it so when i first started it was pretty much all almond milk and now i do uh Eight and eight, eight ounces of water, eight ounces of mm. almond milk. And that eight ounces of almond milk, at least for the present, is half vanilla sweetened and half un- unsweetened. I've got this this in an elaborate setup, Greg. Wow. Yeah. I, it's because I bought some unsweetened almond milk, like a couple of cartons. And yeah. I don't I don't like particularly like it. But I'm also don't want it to go to waste. So I'm like, okay, the compromise is I will mix I the the less good almond milk with the very good almond milk, and it yes. just becomes good, like okay almond milk. I see. Yeah, it's also helped. Uh, like it's weaning me off the the sweetness dependent. Yeah, I could see that on yeah. the, of the Huel. So, but yeah, I drink Huel every day now. Every day. Nice. I yeah. I have uh, I've recently started most days two a days. It'll usually be like the first thing I would I drink in the morning and then often the last thing before bed because it is kind of sweet and I usually have like a sweet craving. And so if I can do that instead of junk food, that's good. Yeah. I guess it's not every day. It's every weekday. Every weekday mm. I consume a Huel at least. Sometimes on the weekend too, but no guarantees. Yeah. Mine, so uh, unsweetened almond milk is disgusting if you drink it on its own. <laughs> it's it's one of the worst things I've tasted, I think. It's so much worse than unsweeted, unsweet oat milk or unsweet soy milk. I don't know why, but it's so much worse. Um, but I do use unsweetened almond milk most of the time. And I used like a tiny bit at this point, which might be why it doesn't taste so bad, but I'm down to like a half a cup of unsweet almond milk and then the rest water. But I use a lot of water. So it, it tastes very weak that way. I don't want, I don't want to dilute the taste of my Huel. I'm just here for the Huel. Don't, mm-hmm. you know, don't get in the way of the flavor. Oh yeah. I mean, that's not my opinion, but I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I recently actually tried switching to soy milk, which is a little more expensive, but seems, well, in my search for protein, a little more protein efficient. We'll yeah, see. I'm still deciding. I hadn't compared that, like the different plant milks to protein. I mean, the base fuel has a fair amount of protein. It does. Yeah, it's pretty good that way. Mm-hmm. Well, fuel well, for life. Of course. Of course. <laughs> All right. Let's do. So we've got a few things in bold here. Let's do a light topic. Let's do video games first and then move on to theme updates. Is that okay? Yeah, that works. Let's do it. Okay. So I'm I'm interested to hear what's been going on in your life. But for me, since January uh, or since 2021 began, um, I started two new video games. Uh, as a preface, if anybody listened to the last episode, I had started Cyberpunk. 
I just never got hooked on cyberpunk. I will hopefully come back one day. There's a lot of really cool things about it. I just didn't get that into it. Um, and so, and also it was just laggy, like, and maybe that is part of the whole, the game sucks thing. Um, but it was just laggy. And so I thought I'm going to put this aside for a while. And I was actually playing, um, what's the Mario game? Mario Odyssey. The one where you throw the hat. Oh yeah. Mario Odyssey. Yeah, and I played that because everybody raves about it. And I played it for a while, and I was sort of convincing myself that I should like it. But then one day I was like, I do not enjoy this game at all. I don't know why I'm playing this. <laughs> so I just stopped. I haven't picked it up since, like, January 2nd. So uh, with that put aside, I started two new games. I did a little more thinking about, like, what games would I enjoy and what seem relevant to, like, the gaming culture. So one I chose, and I texted you about both of these. One I chose was Hollow Knight. Um, a brief description of Hollow Knight. You are a bug playing in a two-dimensional world. It is... uh, So I'm not going to use, like, video game jargon because I'm not even sure that I would use it correctly. But basically, you're jumping around from, like, platform to platform in this interconnected mess of rooms or levels, almost. Yeah, the the video game jargon would be Metroidvania. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a technically a Metroidvania game, yeah. But for people who wouldn't know that, it's like you're jumping around in these individual levels. you got to defeat enemies, which usually aren't too hard, but there are lots of them. You make a little bit of money. You can buy some things. You unlock new areas by defeating people or finding certain things. Um, and it is overall like a pretty grim game, but intriguing. Um, but it's designed to like give, to definitely have an atmosphere. Different areas have different atmospheres. Uh, I really stink at the game. I think that you're probably supposed to be moving through each area in a couple of hours, but I spent probably like 15 hours on the first area. I'm so slow. So that's Hollow Knight. Um, and that has been pretty fun. I only play it on Switch, which means that it's like a little bit more uh, portable. And sometimes I'll play that while I edit a podcast, for example. It doesn't really require sound. The other one is The Witness, which is a puzzle game. And uh, I couldn't even tell you the premise of The Witness because I don't understand at all what is happening. Uh, I was dropped, yeah. dropped, question mark. I began the game on an island. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't know where to go. Uh, I looked around. I solved some puzzles. I went somewhere new. Still don't understand what I'm doing. No idea what I'm doing. Um, some of the puzzles I don't even really understand how to solve. But if, there have been some really satisfying moments where I've gotten the hang of a certain type of puzzle and solved a bunch and solving the puzzles, depending on where you are in the island, does different things. It, like, unlocks rooms, and eventually it seems like there's, like, seven big puzzles I need to solve. Um, I have no idea what I'm doing. But the the main headline of The Witness is, I've played lots of video games. The Witness gives me motion sickness. I've never had another game do this. It gives me bad motion sickness. I'll play for about 25 minutes, and I have to stop because I, I think that I'm going to be, like, physically ill. I've never had anything like this before. Um so I can only play The Witness for 20 minutes at a time. And that leads me to not really feel like it because I have to go boot up my PC and everything. Mm. So I'm, I'm curious if that's happened to other people. But yeah, so that those are my two. They're very different. One is like a more traditional adventure game. The other is a weird uh, puzzle game, which is faintly reminiscent of Myst, which is how I found it because I love Myst. Okay. I haven't played The Witness. I have it. I got it for free, I think. Like a PlayStation member bonus, whatever. But I was like, chocolate. I'm chuckling to myself because your depiction of the game is yeah. like what everybody experiences. And this, it blew up a few years ago, I think. Um, 
where everyone's like, you got to play The Witness, you got to play The Witness. It's not like any other game. Um, but there are a lot of people who are like, this is overrated, this is stupid, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. It's just a bunch of puzzles. I, like I said, I don't haven't played it, so I won't pass any judgment, but uh, I just think it's funny. I'd never heard anyone say anything about motion sickness, though, so... Not saying that doesn't exist. It's just that wasn't on my radar. I wonder if it's something about playing on PC rather than on a console because you can move so rapidly and swing your head around so rapidly uh, mm-hmm. with the mouse that that is. I think that's the issue. Maybe you can turn it down. Is there like a sensitivity setting? And I the... probably should look into that. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I, I haven't I... played for a week or two now. I see. And then Hollow Knight. I have played Hollow Knight. I've made it not very far. Maybe a few biomes, but it's an interesting game of uh, that com- that combines a few different genres. There's the Metroidvania, like you explained, where that's a lot of different rooms. Like when you enter a room, um, you can see like what's happening in there. But then at some point, you'll reach the end of that room and you have to go through a doorway um, that enters into another room. And there's oftentimes, like, areas that you can't access because you need Mm -hmm. uh, different abilities, like a double jump or something like that. So it it encourages, like, going back through areas and seeing if there's other stuff you can do. Um, So there's the Metroidvania side. There's a lot of platforming. There's a lot of jumping. Mm -hmm. And then there's, like, Dark Souls themes of if you die, you lose all your stuff. And, and you have to go to, back and get it back. Yeah. Right. I've been very intrigued by Dark Souls recently, as you know, and so I that's part <laughs> of how I chose Hollow Knight. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting game. I think aesthetically, it's one of the mo- most appealing games I've played. I, like, I yeah. vividly remember the environments. They're beautiful. They're very distinct. They all have their own feel. Like It really does feel like you've entered a new biome. Um, mm-hmm. I remember yeah, I getting agree. really lost, though which I'm like terrible at Metroidvanias because I just get so lost and I end up giving up. So that's probably what ended up. You have to find the map maker in every separate area of biomes. And so that initially was very frustrating to me in the second area because I just missed him. I went through the whole thing and Mm. I was like, I, you know, he's not here, but no, I did find him eventually. Yeah. 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 And then it's like, I like argue with myself. I'm like, just go look it up. And I'm like, no, that's ruining the game. Yeah. But then like 10 minutes later, I'm like, this is dumb. Just look it up. <laughs> Cause, yeah, because you know there's a map maker somewhere. But when you can't yeah. find them and you feel like you're just retreading the same places over and over again, it can get a little frustrating. Yeah, I I think one thing that has worked out really well for me recently on these games is I was familiar with the game, having seen it reviewed and having heard people talk about it, but never any specific details or nothing that would like ruin pieces. I like kind of knew what the end goal was. I, I vaguely knew some of the mechanics. And so that was enough for me to get started and jump in. But it wasn't going to feel like a disappointment that I knew too much. And so that's been nice and has encouraged me to not look at guides. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's best played without guides, but I remember where I got stuck, and I I was just totally dumbfounded. I didn't know what to do. Were you like, past the Leaf Kingdom, the the like green area? That's mm-hmm. the one I have yet to finish. Okay. Yeah, I got through Leaf, and then I went to another area that was like, had a waterfall, uh, and then I went through some like cavern-y area, um, but the enemies got kind of tough. Yeah, that's bad for me. That's bad. bad at this. Yeah. I was bad at it too. I mean, 
the combat it's like deceptively difficult at first you will think it's easy but it will ramp itself it will ramp up and, and get tougher and that's real bad because i never thought it was easy <laughs> <laughs> yeah fair i yeah no i i shouldn't have stated it that way <laughs> the the tough thing too is like you start on the surface and there's like some critical stuff up there that you'll like want to get back to later like if you have a lot of money or something mm-hmm. and it is terrible to try to get back up i mean it's honestly really really hard really oh interesting yeah um there's like some rail systems i think like little like fast travels but you got to find them and sometimes you need like not just money but other stuff to unlock them oh interesting but i just remember being like oh i want to get up i want to go back up because i want to go to the shop or whatever and not being able to figure out how to get up (laughs) just i could have figured out and everything is like killing me and if you leave a room and then come back everything spawns again yeah 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 (laughs) <laughs> it is very frustrating because there's already like one one type of enemy that i have a lot of trouble with and so i'm just kind of avoiding the rooms but <laughs> if i go in there and have to defeat them it's like i'm not leaving here for a while i need to finish yeah. what i'm doing yeah i have that happen to me too where well you know it's the risk the risk reward of like exploration mm. and i explored into an area where i encountered an, this enemy who i'd never seen before and uh he killed me right so then it becomes this loop of like, like can I try I get to get back. Oh yeah, can I get yeah. back? And uh, I like the game. I I might not be like selling it. I do like it. I think one day I'll return to it. Um, it's really cool. It's really yeah. cool. I like it a lot so far. I haven't. I've kind of put down video games for the last week or so, but I'll probably be back. Hopefully. Yeah, I guess that can segue into my video game update, and yeah. that is I don't have much. I've been like way way down on video games. Um. Which makes sense because, I mean, the last like three episodes, I'm pretty sure that's all I contributed was stuff about video games. <laughs> yeah. No, it's yeah, it's the cycle. That's good. I feel similarly actually. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I uh, not sure what I'll go back to. I mean, Hades is still in the background, but I haven't played that in a couple weeks at least. And I'm thinking about replaying Demon Souls, like doing another run. <laughs> it's been a few. It's been like a month yeah, now, sure. so I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well okay no video games for you that is unusual oh yeah well um let's do some theme updates then do you want to start sure yeah so my my theme as a reminder is uh, physical health so it's been going okay certainly could be going a lot better but i'm trying to be (laughs) (laughs) trying to be uh you know reasonable with myself right it's you it's these types of things are not, I don't think there's much success when you try to do a 180, right? And try to change all your behaviors at once. That mm-hmm. often leads in, uh, uh, but, you know, bad outcomes. So I've been doing a lot better on going on much more frequent walks, which has been really tough because it's been really snowy and cold Yeah. Uh, here and yeah, throughout the Midwest in general. Um, but I've been doing it, put my snow boots on and tr- making the trek. Um, and it's funny too, cause there's a lot of other people out there with me, <laughs> uh, which makes me just chuckle. I'm like, all of us, we're all idiots. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, gotta go for my stupid, dumb walk in this stupid, <laughs> dumb, cold, wet outside. <laughs> so, uh, that's been good. I've been tracking my food pretty good too. And it's, you know, Huel's excellent for that. It makes it so easy. Yeah. Piece of cake. Um, 
So that's been good. And I've been doing a few other uh, weightlifting workouts. I need to ramp that up. That's the one area where I'm like, I'm not not hitting the bar in the way that I want to. But um, hoping, you know, turn it around. And this, uh, the one place where I'm probably the worst is my weekly my weekly uh, reviews in general. Yeah. Man, I, I could probably go on for a long time about that. But weekly reviews are... They're just tough. I think like my problem is I'm trying. I set it up at the wrong time, and it feels like it's been obvious for a while. But I've just been reluctant to change it, and I need to because I never do it. What I just you mean don't it's do like it. the wrong time of the week. Yeah. Well, it feels like it's the right time of the week. I just I never follow through. Hmm. <laughs> so I set it. To, I set it to. I like set my, you know, weekly review event for Friday afternoon. Just like a natural close to the week. Mm-hmm. makes sense to do it then but then i just i never do it because it's friday afternoon yeah you're done yeah <laughs> so hmm. that's one area i need to definitely i need to like i gotta do something i gotta do something but overall generally it's been pretty good you know weights going down weights scales heading in the right direction so can't be that's too great can't be too upset about that yeah no that's great um so have you done any weekly reviews? Do you feel like you've learned anything from them? I haven't no? done any weekly reviews. So yeah, that's it sounds like you got to move that around. At yeah. this point, <laughs> the problem is the pressure builds. That's my issue with weekly reviews. When I miss a couple, then it's like, well, this next one I need to catch up. And mm-hmm. then I dread it even more and skip yes. that one too. That's actually, you know, that's, a, I didn't articulate it, but that's been in my head too. Mm-hmm. Is that I go into, I'm like, I need to really like catch up on everything and make this count. And then I'm like, I don't actually want to do it. I need to just move it to a different time. Maybe in the middle of the week or something. I'm not sure. But where the time slot that it's in currently just doesn't work. Yeah. I let myself do it any time over the weekend. Anytime starting Saturday morning, ending Sunday night. And if I don't get it done by then, then it's off the to-do list. But uh, recently I've been a little more disciplined about saying, like, okay, don't write too much. Like, just do the review. You don't need to, like, get too into the details because then this feels like a bigger obligation than it is. Um, so I just got back into it the last two weeks, but had skipped a few before that, which was frustrating. Oh, I think maybe I'll try that. Try changing it to being like, you do it over the weekend and change my frame of mind to not put too much pressure on it. Yeah. Well, I hope that gets better, but it sounds like in the, the more important ways, things are going pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. It we're trending in the right direction, right? Like when you're, uh, when your rate of change has was negative and you make it even slightly less negative, like that's a positive. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. So it all counts. we're trending in the right direction. So that's a good thing. I'm really looking forward to the turnaround in the weather. Um, I think that'll yeah. be huge, right? That's huge for everybody. Nobody, everyone gets seasonal depression. It's dark all the time and really cold. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, already starting to stay light later. That is, yeah, that's been great. I've really mm-hmm. enjoyed that already. Yeah, I'm just waiting for the cold to leave. Yeah. So bitter. It's ridiculous. It's tough. I look at my phone where I'm like about to head out for my walk and it's like you know, 28 and it feels even colder and it's windy up here, way windier than it was in Cincinnati. Yeah. Because uh, it's really flat. It's a lot of farmland. That does so, make it so much worse. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine. I mean, Chicago, right? The windy city. It's probably hard sometimes. Yeah, it has not been great. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the, the actual this Sunday morning. So I was looking at, at doing something Sunday morning, and the actual is negative one Fahrenheit, Oof. and the real feel is negative twenty five. Damn. <laughs> I mean, that Damn. makes my complaining look like nothing. <laughs> uh, well, I've I've invested luckily in some pretty significant snow supplies. That was uh, my parents' big Christmas gifts for me were um, a really good winter coat and boots, and that has made the world of difference. Today, um, 
today I went for like a half hour walk and I think the real feel was in the, the teens and I wasn't cold at all. I almost overheated in the coat. Honestly, it's so yeah. warm. So yeah. once you have that kind of stuff and big gloves, it really isn't too bad. Mm-hmm. I got a, I, as a gift this past year, I got a nice pair of boots, snow boots. Mm-hmm. And um, my jacket's decent, could be better, but it's not bad. And I do the same, right? So like yeah. halfway through my walk, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of sweating. Like, yeah, that's a good sign. <laughs> yeah. So how how are how is your uh, theme going? How is uh, have you been able to you know find any more levers to pull or been able to track your <laughs> in any um, significant way? Curious yeah. To hear. A good question. So um, to pull back the curtain a little bit, Greg and I tried to do this episode, I don't know, two weeks ago and got started and then uh, the internet just was not was not being nice to us and everything fell apart. So he's probably heard the beginning of this before. But um, yeah, my situation is really odd in terms of the season slash quarter slash maybe year question mark <laughs> of mood. Um, so my mood has been so much better. Like it's just hard to put how much better I felt like and then this week finally I've jumped back into personal projects which is um well actually a quick tangent something uh gray said something cgp gray said on a podcast fairly recently I'm trying to think what it was um was uh I I can judge my emotional stability did he say or like emotional well-being um based on how much I'm pursuing my interests and I thought that's so true for me. Absolutely. Such a such a good statement. Like both in terms of pursuing interests leads to feeling better, but more so the insight is when I'm feeling better, I'm doing more in my interests. I'm reading more and like working more on projects and stuff. And getting back into that this week was a very good sign. Um, but so, you know, everything's going in the right direction. But I don't know what exactly you know, like uh, all the levers have twisted. Um, uh, lots of things have changed. Tons of things have changed, but I didn't isolate any variables. So I'm not sure that I've accomplished my original goal. Um, but just to like give some background on some of the things. So some things that I suspected were issues. Um, one was being at home all the time. So one fantastic fix to that has been the office where my company rents space has a bunch of common areas. And so I have gone there and worked just like by myself. There's nobody in the common areas. And so I've done that for maybe two to four days a week for the last month. And it has been a total game changer. I just kind of sit by myself in a corner and work on stuff. Um, That has been amazing. Another was stale workouts, just being tired of workouts. And part of that was also being at home. Well, there's also a gym there. So I've been going to the gym there and lifting weights. Totally different workout than I've been doing. Completely redone all of what my workouts were. They used to be like very high intensity. Um, even the weightlifting was really kind of cardio. It was like fast, fast, fast. It was all P90X or similar, um, or even Apple fitness. And now I've switched and almost all of my working out is bench press, pull-ups, squats, deadlifts. That's 90% of the time I spend working out right now, other than walks, but then walks also, I've been going on more walks because I'm walking half an hour to the office and half an hour back and having a place to go makes the walk feel less optional. It's like, that's how you get there. You have to walk. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. So all these things have played together. And um, yeah, so it's it's just really difficult to extricate what exactly is the difference. But then even another thing is that I've been busier, which has been good for me. Um, Not only a little bit busier at work, but also I've had, so I, I teach some classes at the University of Cincinnati and I had a workshop the last two weeks. 
and that took up a lot of time both preparing for and doing the workshop now i'm preparing for the next one and so just having all this stuff on my schedule has kept me busier and doing more stuff and so at some point it's like i don't know exactly which of these things is making the biggest difference but together clearly they've helped so it's been much better although i have been feeling really busy which usually i would count as a downside but i think i'm starting to notice is probably a good thing Hmm. interesting yeah i definitely the idea of getting out of the house and having a different place to work at least as an option really resonates with me and you know big thumbs up on the workout program that's (laughs) <laughs> super solid um he, yeah you know major compound lifts excellent it's really good yeah this is a new world for me i've never i mean i've i've done weightlifting as a major part of my working out before but never like this at all yeah mm, yeah i've like we've talked about it before but i've done, gone through programs where that was it. it's like only major compound lifts you bench you mm-hmm. squat you deadlift that's it um and i have found those to be the best or at least my like most preferred Maybe not all the time, but I feel like it just something clicks about it with me. Yeah, like, it's really satisfying. You're yes, just, it that's feels what it like, is. especially relative to other things, it's like I'm moving a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. I feel like my whole body's involved. When I finish, I'm tired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something about you just pick up the heavy thing, you put it down. It's yeah. great. It's just <laughs> this something. Is what, <laughs> it's what humans were made to do. Yeah. So um, that's interesting. Yeah. Now the busy piece, right? Um, I feel like that could go either way. Like sometimes in my, and I don't know how, you know, you'll have to let me know what you think. But for me, sometimes like the being busy is good. Like it improves my mood, makes me feel productive. But then there are other times it cuts against me where I'm like, oh, I'm swamped all the time and I'm kind of burnt out. I'm like I'm burning out because Mm -hmm. of how busy I am. So I don't know. I feel like that one's a little bit of a double-edged sword. I agree. I think um – there's a couple of things that I think have worked out well with the current state. I've been quite busy on weekdays, but not like booked up on weekends. And so I consistently like, you know, sometimes I think it's possible to feel trapped where it's like it never ends. You're just spinning on a hamster wheel. But right now it's like, okay, I can give up a full day every day of my weekdays um, because I mostly like what's involved with those days. And then the weekends are genuinely restful, which is really important. Um, and the other thing is I sometimes think of being busy as a little bit of bootstrapping where it's like when I'm not super motivated to do things, I have to be assigned to those things. Like those things need to be required of me for a while. And then once I get rolling again and get interested in some of this stuff, being less busy would be helpful because then I can jump more into personal reading and personal projects. And I feel like I'm there right now with technology where I'm like making the transition from being quite busy with that class to being more independently driven of just like working on stuff I want to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So who knows? I I really hope this continues. I'm like obviously very pleased about how this has gone, but kind of mystified at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It certainly wasn't a scientific approach on your part, which I've done a poor job tracking it as well. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I try to write down a little bit about it in my weekly review, but even that it's just not that insightful because there's too many factors that have changed so much. Right. Right. But one thing that is going to go back to the way it was is today So, and you know, this is totally reasonable, but I've been going and working at the office for a month. But today, before I left, somebody came up and told me that technically the common areas are closed. Mm. I thought, well, you know, it's not a huge surprise. There's no postings or anything, but like, yeah, you know, makes sense. They probably should be closed. I am the only person here ever. So I am now going back to staying at home working. I would like to still go there for the gym, uh, which is definitely open. But if that's the case, then I need to 
be really careful because I don't want to lose all the gains that I've just made in terms of uh, like being productive and and happier. So I need to find a way to make my home more hospitable again. But I think even just having like a month and a half off has been incredibly helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I bet a lot of a lot of people are feeling that sort of um, home fatigue of even. Yeah. Just need a just need a change of of space, change of environment. It can do it can do a lot for so. It's a bummer that they cracked they cracked yeah. down on you. I mean, they must have they let it go on for some time, it seems. That's what I thought. I think I ran into a stickler today mm. where typically yeah, everybody's like, You're the only person on the floor, we really don't care. Right. And other other companies in the building, so it's it's a very large building with many different company offices. Other companies have people in their offices. Not very many, but a few do. I see people like making the commute in. Um but yeah, it it makes sense. The co- given that many of the offices are closed, it makes sense the common areas are closed too. So, mm. yeah. Well, you maybe risk it. See if you don't. I don't know. Catch a yeah. friendlier person. <laughs> That's what I'm kind of hoping. I might go to a different section of the building, but I'm right. going to take a week or two off and then. Yeah. We'll see. That's good. That's a good plan. Well, I'm glad yeah. it's going so well. Um, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I wish you continued success and yeah, hoping you can identify the factors. Me too. Me too. (laughs) Yeah. That sounds like for both of us been a good 2021 so far. Yeah. (laughs) One month in. (laughs) One month in. That's okay. That's the most you can hope for. It only took, it took three months in for 2020 to explode. So (laughs) (laughs) we're doing a little better than, or we're, we're. You know, it has we're we haven't hit that point yet, which is good. Yeah, which is good. But you know what's really reassuring though? It's like things are not going to get worse. Like they may not get as much better as fast as we hope, but like it's unlikely our situation, it just in terms of like how much we manage our personal lives, is going to be worse in three months. It seems yeah. really hard to believe. So I think even like that kind of optimism has probably been part of what has affected my mood, and also like it makes it easier to stay motivated it's like well this is gonna get easier lots of things will be more feasible in a couple months than they are right now yeah no you make a good point and i mean i'm really optimistic the vaccine rollout hasn't been like what i would have picked like what i my (laughs) ideal would be but it's better than not having a vaccine at all and just still being in that state of uncertainty and wondering when are we gonna get back on that note, I'll just throw in there. I'm actually getting my second dose of vaccine ah, tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. nice. Congratulations. I've heard it's bad, though. I've heard it's yeah, bad. I heard that, that it's rough. Well. So I might be knocked out for the next, like, I don't know, 72 hours or something. We'll see. Oh, you think it's that bad? I always kind of imagine that, like, I don't know, when they report, like, the downsides of things like that, usually that's, like, a 90th percentile bad outcome, not the norm. I agree with that in general. But I think that this vaccine's a little different. Interesting. Um, the first dose was kind of intense. It was definitely the most pain I've ever felt in an injection site. And really? it persisted for days, for days. Was it painful um, during the injection especially or just after? Just after, like a few hours after it set in. And I didn't feel like I didn't have bad symptoms but some people did. Um, some people at the hospital did have symptoms off the first dose. And on the second dose, they said it's worse. Wow. Um, hmm. Now, you know, everybody's experience, it varies. And we'll just have to see. But, yeah, I'm not expecting to feel great yeah. um, through the weekend. But that's okay. That's totally okay. It's the price. It's worth <laughs> Yeah, it's worth, worthwhile, yeah. <laughs> 
yeah so but yeah get the second dose i'm looking forward um to win that more people right when everybody is yes. widely distributed um so yeah that's exciting we're, we're on the road to recovery so it's that's a, true that's great great okay well um what, what should we tackle next of our other three topics what do you think i think we should do uh tracking finances and then move from there into gamestop if we can okay yeah. let's do it so is there so uh for listeners there's a question on our show notes sheet that greg wrote how do you budget and track your finances so is, is there some background to this question yeah i guess i can set the stage a bit so one is that I'm just interested in personal finance. I think it's an mm-hmm. interesting topic, and I like to hear what other people's experiences are, what they do, what works, what doesn't work, that type of thing. Um, and I'm just a big believer, right, that it all comes, it all starts with a budget and with some some tracking. You have to have that, and you have to have a budgeting and tracking system. Otherwise, you know, your your downstream goals are going to be much more difficult to achieve. Now that you may not agree, we could discuss that, but that's sort of my personal philosophy on it. And I've been using um, YNAB. You need a budget um, for, I think it's uh, two over two years now. Mm-hmm. I remember when you first started using it. I remember you telling me about it. Yeah, and it's um, it's still good. I remember when I first started, I was very enthusiastic. I thought it was great. It was a huge game changer. Um, what what makes YNAB great is it's budgeting methodology of they use what you would refer to as the envelope system where you have these like virtual envelopes with a category on them and then as money comes in you purport you portion it out across the envelopes and then when you make when money goes out you assign those transactions to an envelope so basically like every category has its own um, debits and credits and it's you can see how much excess funds there is in any category and you can move them around easily or you can like do a report and look into how much am I spending um, across categories or whatever. And generally, it's pretty good. Generally, it's pretty good. I'm not sure there's a better um, piece of like uh, commercially available software. At least I haven't been able to find one. But that I have started to look again because there has been a few little frustrating things about YNAB that aren't like complete deal breakers. But it's enough for me to, to um, you know, go looking again and see is there anybody else in the space that's doing it better um so that's kind of what's you know the background on the questions one is i'm just generally interested and two like if you have a better system i might i might be tempted to switch all right well i'm very excited for this conversation because you're gonna hate my system you're really gonna hate (laughs) it all right let's get into it um well, I should begin by saying my philosophy is a little bit different than yours, but not strongly so. Um, mostly, I attack finances as um, I attack finances in retrospect and not as a planning in advance sort of deal. I do not I do not pre budget at all. I do not say like this much money is for this thing. Um, I think if I ever found myself overspending, I might take that approach, but that hasn't been a big issue. And with a retrospective approach, I've always been able to say like, ah, uh, that like I'm keeping an eye on this category, which seems to be becoming a disproportionate share of my spend. So with that said, um, my system is, well, there's two, there's only really two aspects to it. Um, every other Friday morning, which is payday, there is a to do, uh, to doist task that reminds me to update my personal finances. 
That is, this makes me sound insane, but that is probably like one of my favorite things to do. So usually I wake up and first thing Friday morning, I log into all of my accounts. I update a Google sheet with the amounts in all of them. And none of this is automated. This is just me logging into things and typing things into a Google sheet. Uh, There's some aggregations at the bottom. There's two categories. Um, This is, this comes from, it's clear that uh, actually this comes from me having just graduated from an MBA when I started this, because it is just like an accounting book. There's assets on the left and liabilities on the right. Um, And at the bottom, it says equity, (laughs) which is really net worth. Um, And I have uh, my assets divided into accessible and inaccessible. Uh, I look at my retirement fund as inaccessible and everything else is accessible. So I have the net numbers on like net accessible dollars and net inaccessible dollars or net total dollars, not just inaccessible um, at the bottom of the sheet. So that is my balance sheet. But separately, I have a cash flows sheet. Uh, again, <laughs> recent MBA, Ethan. Um, so the cash flow sheet is more interesting, but updated much less frequently. So the balance sheet is every uh, other Friday on payday. The cash flows sheet is basically any time that I that I imagine my typical expenses changing in some way. So if I get a new apartment, I change what the rent is. Um, if I because these are the kinds of things in the cash flow sheet. Um, with the rent I pay, uh, how much I pay for groceries every week, how often I go out to eat, and what the average price is. Um, every subscription service, anytime I sign up for a new one or cancel one, I go in there and put it in or take it out. Um, and then I group those up at an aggregation level where I consider them like necessities, um, consumables, which would be like groceries and, uh, going out to eat social things, uh, technology things. So I group them up into large categories and that's useful because then I see the spend across each category. And, um, the reason I like that so much is because every time that I'm like, wow, I should really be careful about spending $5 at Starbucks every other week. Um, that's, I mean, I I guess I spent $5 at Starbucks quite a bit more than that, but every time I'm like, wow, you could really cut corners here. If you were to just be a little more conscious of your costs, I look back and I realize that all of the consumables, even like spending too much on groceries and Starbucks and going out to eat sometimes pale in comparison to my rent. (laughs) And so- Yeah, it's very it keeps me in line to be like, don't lose sleep over stupid little stuff, because really, it's the big stuff that's expensive. Um, So that's that's the system. The cash flow sheet is how I think about, like, how much am I spending on things? And it's how I decide if I need a cheaper apartment or if I need to be a little bit stingier about going out to eat. Um, And the balance sheet is really what I focus on, where it's like, how is my net wealth changing? Right. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely have different philosophies. Just, you know, teach or whatever works. I, having gone through, not an MBA, but a master's degree in a business school in taking managerial finance and managerial accounting, I have an appreciation for your system. Because I do think that, you know, there's a reason why these are the standard ways to record um, and track expenses and net worth. So I don't think you're like, you know, I don't think your system's wrong or anything like that. I do still think, at least for the average person, right, if I was just talking to um, a friend who was trying to get a handle on their personal finances, this is like new, all new to them. 
I would strongly, strongly recommend they start with a plan up front. Mm-hmm. Um, I can I can understand that's not necessary for everybody, and I can see why it's not necessarily for you. But I feel like for most people, especially starting out, you got to make a plan. You got to you got to make a plan at the beginning of the month to have some idea about what's going. That plan doesn't have to be perfect by any means. Things are going to change. You're going to forget stuff, whatever. But got to have some, I guess, general plan. Um, and then I have my I have my own like net worth tracking Excel document. I have my assets, I have my liabilities, so I track, I do trending. So yeah, generally similar, I think. And the thing that's great about YNAB, I guess, is it, it removes a little bit of friction in that transactions the transactions recording doesn't require me to log in and Mm-hmm. do all that, that stuff sort of nicer. happening for me yeah. in the background now i have to go in and categorize them if it's a new transaction from a retailer i've never been to YNAB's like where what is the category and sometimes that's tough for things like amazon because mm-hmm. amazon is every category it just depends on what i bought yeah. so sometimes i have to do a reconciliation to be like what's this this dollar amount ties to what transaction again so i can accurately categorize it um the thing that bugs me about YNAB is one uh, on that automatic transaction, sometimes it gets confused when I make a transfer between my bank account and a credit card. So it's like I'm just paying the credit card off. Well, I see. It's just a transfer of, of dollars, really, mm. between two accounts. Sometimes YNAB gets like all messed up, and it's like sometimes it duplicates the transaction in a weird way, and sometimes it takes me a minute to catch it because yeah, I'm like, what's going on? Like this, these numbers don't look right. Like I know something's wrong, mm. so I have to go home, and that's like. You know, you're costing me. This is the whole reason I pay for this. Yeah, thing. yeah, that's the whole point. Yeah, that would so, be right. hmm. From my understanding, that isn't really YNAB's doing. Like YNAB works with a a payment or transactions clearinghouse, so to speak, mm-hmm. which is what enables them to tie into all these different accounts and pull the transactions in. So I don't think it's like YNAB's messing it up. I think it's something's messed up in translation, I guess. I, I don't know. Hmm. Um, they recently changed providers for this this system, this system that plugged in all the third parties. And when that happened, the the incident rate of, of messed up transactions recording increased. It's gotten a little better, but yeah, overall that's frustrating. And then the other thing is um, any... Any account that is not a bank or a credit card, a bank account or a credit card, isn't able to pull transactions automatically. So my retirement accounts, my debt, mm. um, all that stuff, it would take a manual entry to do it, which if it, that is why I just have my own system on the outside because I'm like, I I'm see. not, yeah, so. That's very interesting. Hmm. That's what pushed me to be like, is there anything better than YNAB? And as I look, like everyone's still like, no, YNAB's the best. If you like the envelope system and you do yeah. want the ease of your transactions coming through automatically and easy to categorize, there's probably not a better system. So do you, I don't know if it's a dashboard or what, but do you basically see, you know, I started the month with $100 allocated to Starbucks. And every time I buy something at Starbucks, that number ticks down and down and down. And so you're, you sometimes see, like, I have a week left in the month and I have $11 left to spend at Starbucks. Is yeah. that the principle? Pretty much, yeah. But it has debits and credits. Like, mm. So when at the beginning of the month, when there's, like, money to allocate, I allocate some to each category. And that creates a, a credit to that category and there's money to spend. So then when a transaction comes through that I categorize under that, it's a debit. It debits that amount down. 
So they call it budgeted and then activity. And then there's an availability, which is like the balance. Uh, so I see. That's a good system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Within my rent, I, and I might be messing these words up. <laughs> Hope I'm not. Um, be embarrassing. But so like budgeted, right? I budgeted my rent and for February, but I haven't paid my, uh, like the check hasn't cleared yet. So mm. um, there isn't quote activity yet. But once that comes through, which it will, mm. it might actually be sitting there and I just haven't categorized it yet. That'll be debit against that category, which would then make the available go from my rent amount to zero. So then there's mm. no more money left to spend for rent. I see. Okay. That makes sense. Right. I'm using the words correctly now. I might. I think so. Debit seems credits, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. yeah, I, I forget which is which, but I think in principle, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're such good business school students. I know. I was actually earlier, I was trying to remember which was which, and I cannot. I do it all the time. I flip them for some. I mean, they're just too, they're not distinguished enough, yeah. I guess. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, that's pretty much the system. It's not like, you know, crazy or anything like that. Um, what's nice, though, is you have a rollover. So, like, if there's any leftover money from the previous month in a category, it just carries over. And the balance of the category stays the same. So if I if I had a say a hundred dollars left in my grocery category from January to February, I would start February with a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. I Which is nice. Good. Yeah, because yeah. there are a lot of categories like that. Like I have a clothing category, so mm-hmm. I don't buy clothing every month, but I set aside a little bit of money every month, and like this fund just builds up over time, so that when I go shopping, I know there's money. Like I have mm-hmm. some money budgeted to spend on clothing. That's just a, you know, an example. Yeah. That is good. Yeah. So I think, yeah, there's, there's pretty obvious advantages to that over my system. The real time updating is totally different. Like one, one problem with my system is I could have a blind spot. I might forget, um, you know, just imagine like fuel is more expensive than it is. So yes, I might buy less at the grocery store, but I'm forgetting to account for the fact that I'm buying fuel every few weeks. Um, like that kind of stuff totally could creep up. Yeah. But on the pro side, what I do like is that now if money were a lot tighter, I think I'd feel differently, but I like that it takes me a while to notice things like that because it's not constantly bouncing between like, how can I worry more about this? Can I worry more about this? Can I worry more about this? Instead it's over time as I'm like, am I really spending like too much money at the grocery store or at Starbucks or something? I notice it. And then I go and I sit down and I'm like, okay, so I probably go this much and spend this much each time try to do the math and update the sheet and then see like did the relative composition change at all like did this have any impact because one way that i aggregated is like how much does this affect my take-home savings per year Mm -hmm. and so some things have almost no impact it's like i there's just so many things where sometimes i feel bad like am i spending too much keeping a spotify membership ten dollars a month and then i put it in there and i'm like no, yeah, not. yeah, it means nothing. If I use it really at all, it's a good idea. No, that's a good point. Like, I think that's a helpful way to look at it. I do the same thing. Like, I will, I'll just be thinking, like, man, like, where, where why am I, like, am I spending too much on this category, or on these things, whatever? Um, but when you compare it against uh, the yearly savings, like, that's a good mm-hmm. ratio. And I, you know, you might have some rule of thumb for yourself that tells you when a category is meaningful or not to that yeah. bottom line. Um, the other thing about YNAB that it's like, I have mixed feelings, I guess, about it. Helpful, kind of, but not also, is they have like a reporting, they have a reporting side where 
it keeps track of all this stuff. It stores the data. So, you know, at this point, I have like two years of transactions history in here and oh, it's all categorized. And so I can see what proportion of my uh, income has been spent across all these different categories and stuff. But um, there are a few problems. One is I don't think the reports are as um, enlightening as they should be. Like, I think that they could do more to create more interesting reports, ones that help you understand your finances better. Mm-hmm. The other problem is that in YNAB, they only they only account for they, like the uh, an uh, an item only ever gets accounted for in a report when there is a debit against the category, which is just wrong, unfortunately, in my opinion. So, as an example of why I think this doesn't work is, um, if you're saving up money for let's say a down payment on a house, right? You would create a category and say down payment and every month I'm putting a thousand bucks in there. So I'm Mm -hmm. spending in my mind, I've spent a thousand dollars into my savings. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't spend it. It didn't leave my account, but I have allocated a thousand dollars to go into a down payment. Um, and that, you know, the uh, the balance will build and build and build exactly what you want over time. You want that uh, Mm -hmm. category to be growing and so you can easily like look in your YNAB and be like, oh, I've saved, you know, 20 grand for this over X amount of time. But if you pull it up and if you pull a report, it's never going to show up until the money, there's an actual debit on the category, which is just not right. Like that's yeah. not. I can see the case for the for doing it that way, though. Like I can see why, because you can also think of it as like, that's more savings, which gives you the ability to do something. Yeah. Like it's an increase of savings. Yeah. I think that's a difficult situation to handle well for everyone. I could see people preferring both behaviors. Yeah. I completely agree with you. I think you should be able to replicate the report both ways, mm-hmm. like actual expenses versus budgeted. That's the difference. Like the actual yeah. expenses is when they, the money is debited out of the account versus what you budgeted. Cause that's what I, that was the number I want to get to. Because I wanted to know how my average savings rate has changed easily in a report. And I quickly realized, I was like, YNAB can't do this. Because yeah. it's not counting anything that's not an actual, quote, transaction. So I was just left to do it on my own. Which is like, again, like, right, it defeats the purpose. Like, I'm paying yeah. for this because I want it to help yeah. me do this, track this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting problem. Because, I, yeah, I do have something, like, vaguely similar. So I think of it as a deferred liability. Um, but, like... You know, yeah. this is where balance sheets are really nice because companies deal with this stuff all the time. Like mm-hmm. they think of these liabilities as sitting on the sheet, even though they're not. There's nothing real. But for me, it was um, I did some independent consulting and teaching as a non-employee, and so I was getting paid directly as a contractor with no taxes removed. And so I had to keep track of my expected taxes right. that I pay at the end of the year, and I didn't want like my balance sheet wouldn't be reflective of my actual finances if I didn't account for that. So I had mm-hmm. to keep a deferred tax liability on the sheet. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. With something like YNAB, that's a bit trickier, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a solvable problem, but they just haven't put the thought into it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, your system sounds okay. I'm not ready to give up YNAB and adopt no. the uh, cash flows and balance sheets. It's uh, definitely system. worse because <laughs> I have none of this dashboarding, but that's actually, so I have a bullet here, um, new personal project for Ethan at long last. And that actually is basically a dashboard. So what I, uh, I, what I alluded to earlier about a project that I was getting into was in reference to something I started about a week ago. And the basic idea is 
I'm building it in pieces. Um, the first piece was something that could scrape the Google Sheet that has my finances. So I had to get an API token to get into my Google account, pull the Google Sheet, and of course, Excel sheets aren't actually tables. You know, like there's just an infinite table, and what you really want in a sheet like that is to think of it as a left-hand table and a right-hand table. So I had to do a bunch of parsing logic to to tear that apart, and then label certain things assets and others liabilities and store them in csvs but then i thought i would like there's a lot of things i want to learn obviously um but it's about time i move to the cloud i hate the cloud i only work on prem like i only work on raspberry Pis. i love logging into a linux server but i was like it's time it's time you learn um so the one cloud provider i've never used is aws and that's where i went mm-hmm. so i now have an aws trial account uh, i stored those csvs in s3 which is their um object storage so basically files um and had to get a special token to do that so now i'm running into what really seems like the hard part which is how do i manage all these security credentials and don't accidentally commit them to github with my code mm. um which was solvable pretty fast but the next problem is how i want to run solve it um, environment variables no but i think that's probably where they should end up right now they're in configuration files that just are ignored by git right okay no, but you're right. That's where it needs to go. Yeah. Um, so that's, Sorry, that's I threw you one. off. I threw you off. I was just curious if you had, like, the silver bullet because, you know, credential storing is... Yeah. Well, there is, though, right? So, like, every cloud provider has a, a key vault type thing. That's what it's called in Azure. Um, I forget. It's, like, the secrets manager, the AWS secrets manager. Is this software you install on your computer to store your it, or is it... No. Something? So okay. that's one of the services in the cloud but then so i just never thought about it very much before Uh, well let me step back very quickly so i want to have this running in aws i don't want to just like store things in there i want the code to run in aws so i need to store the way to authenticate to my google sheet and also store the way to uh authenticate to the storage for the csvs that have these tables in them right I thought, okay, it's easy. You know, I'll just pull them out of the secrets manager. And then I thought, well, how do I tell the secrets manager it's me? Like, give mm. me the secrets. You need a secret. So it it seems like, an, you know, this right. is, I'm sure, an obvious answer. But it's like, how do I authenticate the first time? I don't right. understand. Yeah, um, I would have given I, up here. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what to Google here. Like, I have some ideas. I think that you might be able to inject environment variables into whatever the thing is you're running. So, like... Uh, uh cloud function um what are they called aws lambda is yeah, the aws lambda. terms yeah. or um a container that you're running i think you could inject an environment variable and you would put in the string in the gui in aws but i don't know and so i'm gonna and i've never used the secrets manager so it's been a lot of like combing through docs and figuring out what packages i can use to do it it's been a little frustrating but it's been good for me so far yeah well you're brave I have tried to do the cloud thing for and I just always end up being like, eh, this is too much trouble. It is a lot of trouble. I hate <laughs> it. I just, I must say it's so much worse than working on a Linux server. I know, I know. that it's just, I yeah. I think so much of it is I've invested a lot of time in learning how Linux works. Right. And maybe I could feel the same way about the cloud, but the cloud changes faster and is so much more proprietary. Like yep. every Linux server kind of works the same, mm-hmm. but all the cloud services are different and also the cloud is obsessed with security yeah everything is like create these separate user accounts and each one can only do one thing they can't talk to each other and so stringing together applications that work together seems a lot harder i agree with that well and, and i know very little so my opinion's worth nothing but 
I yes, that's my perception too, and understandably so. This all this really valuable, yeah. sensitive data is stored on the internet, stored inaccessible to anybody. So obviously, you got to take extreme measure to protect that stuff. But yeah, you know, for my stupid toy project, I just <laughs> I, I just I just need to learn it because ultimately, what I'm building is a dashboard. So. Like what I really want now, and I was working on this uh, this morning, is pull in all the stuff from that S3 bucket, pull in the data, um, because every day I want the the thing that writes the CSVs to work. So every day record what's in the sheet. And then I want to plot day over day how all the different aspects of my assets and liabilities have changed. How much has my retirement account yeah. gone up or down and my checking account, all these things. And I want to watch them over time. Mm-hmm. And then also get totals. Um, so that, I was able to make the charts pretty easily in Altair. Now I think I can, because Altair is basically just HTML and JavaScript, I think I could turn that into a web page pretty easily. But now it's time to start thinking about like architecture. Like how how do I put these programs in AWS? Yeah. Well, I would, t- I mean, I don't know if you're there yet for the dashboarding piece, right? I was going to say, are you going to, do you have a preferred... Um, web app dashboard are you just gonna use flask and build it all yourself or i think so i think uh i could get away with just using altair and serving up the html of the altair charts for now but eventually i would like to use dash yeah i, I thought feel about like dash is where you're gonna want to go like i feel like yeah. you're gonna want drop downs i think eventually that's the right answer and then you'll yeah. want plotly plotly's better than altair I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> I'm just well, kidding. for but isn't isn't Dash just part of Plotly? They're separate, but they're oh, very really? tightly integrated. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. Dash is the then I probably will. Right, the dashboarding side is just meant to be plug and play components, um, make it easy to make your dashboard interactive, and then Plotly is the actual graphics library behind the scenes, and it's all JavaScript mm. uh, plotting. But their API is excellent. I've I've had some problems with Plotly because uh, the graphs are sometimes really um, expensive. Like, I can cause web pages to crash if you have too many data points. Um, Yeah, I've had some trouble there. But overall, it's really nice. And if you're just thoughtful or you're not using too much data, um, it's not a problem at all. Hmm. But they're the same, uh, I don't know if company is the right word, organization. Yeah, Plotly definitely maintains Dash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I think Dash works. I think Dash is agnostic, though. I don't think you have to use Plotly. Mm. So, like, Altair may just work. You might just have to Mm. wrap it in something. I I don't know, though. Okay. I'll have to look into that. So, right now, because I have, like, a a totally minimum viable product of uh, the dashboard done, it was just easy to throw together this morning, um, I probably will keep all these basic Python scripts. So, it's just one that like fetches and one that builds the dashboard and then another one that handles the interaction with cloud storage for both of them. Um, now I want to see how I can get those running in AWS. But I think the advantage of the dashboard setup is there's no, like it, it's basically a static web page. I think it could be a static web page. There's nothing running except client side. So I wonder if I could set up an AWS Lambda function where the trigger is you going to this URL and that, you know, you send a get request basically. And on the get request, the Lambda function runs and all it does is it like prepares this really quickly and sends it back to you. 
as an interactive dashboard. And I don't see any reason that wouldn't be possible. And I think I, I am under the impression that is basically the cheapest way to run things because the infrastructure is super ephemeral. It's just there when it gets a request and that's it. So I feel like that might be the most elegant way. You know more than I do, so I don't really have anything all that thoughtful to contribute, but I'm curious, do you know if there will be issues with cold starts? That is a great question. I was reading a little bit about that. I have read a lot of AWS docs recently, and I have not I have not figured that out yet. I think the cold start is still going to be in, like, in the millisecond range, not in the minutes range. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard some... Ben Awad, who I've recognized, he's a YouTuber, and I've mm-hmm. sent you some of his stuff before. He does all kinds of, he does a lot of JavaScript. That's his, like, he's he's a web developer. Um, and he's done a lot of interesting videos, just to- toy projects and fun stuff. And he's done the, eight, he did a dive, deep dive into cold start, hot start. Um, oh. on it, and maybe I can find that, send it to you. But, um, and deep dive might be overselling it, but he was just messing with it, trying to understand it. He had a scenario, if I remember correctly, like his cold start was in like the um, teen seconds, like wow, 15 seconds, slow, yeah. which is like really slow. Yeah, he's like, this is, he's like, but then if it's hot, it's like immediate. Yeah. And then he was like, how long do I have to, if there isn't a request, how long till it goes cold again? Mm-hmm. And he was like, just trying, you know. That would be super good to know, actually. Yeah. Huh. So I can send you that way. I mean, I don't know if it's relevant. I don't quite remember like the details, be, yeah. but I meant like, I don't know if the project he's working on is relevant. Like if the same, yeah. what what he learned there in terms of cold and hot start stuff is relevant for the same pro. I Like, again, I barely know what I'm talking Probably about. Cloud functions. I mean, cloud functions or AWS Lambda are just like run some code when something happens and return a result and that's it. There's no like long running process. And it sounds like it would be the same. The real question for me is how do I handle the other piece that I want to run daily? Like, how can I kick off a job to run daily? What, you I've never really cron? heard of anything like that. Like, not cron, but whatever Amazon's, AWS's cron job I don't know is. if there is such a thing. I've never heard of it. And maybe it does exist, and I'm just not familiar, but that I've never heard of anything exist, like that. That cannot exist, right? It's like, run at 5 a.m. <laughs> Honestly, my, I could be totally wrong, but my guess if i had to pick somewhere i think i'll end up is also a cloud function i bet that i find a way i'm speaking in azure terminology an aws lambda function i bet that there is a way to trigger the function to run at a certain time um but i don't know that for sure so it'll be interesting do you think maybe the answer is you have a lambda function that you need to send a request to and you set a cron job on your local machine to send the request (laughs) I hope not. That is not an acceptable solution. That would not count. That would be bad. <laughs> whenever, whenever my computer is dead, it wouldn't work. Yeah, that I don't want anything from on-prem. If it's dumb, but it works, it's not dumb. No, not uh, too fragile. Nope, that's a no. I can't have anything outside the cloud. That's, that's just my favorite. One of my favorite things. If it's stupid and it works, it's not stupid. <laughs> I've never heard that before. Oh, you haven't heard that one? I mean, no. it's silly. It's just silly, but it's uh, like this is stupid, but it works. And it's like, well, I guess it's not stupid then. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I feel like developers really do subscribe to that, and I do oh, not yes. like that. Yeah, I don't know. It creates yeah. fragile systems. You're right, but sometimes you know, quick and easy, dirty. Just get <laughs> <Sometimes>. it done. <laughs> well, I will. I will no doubt report back on that because it has been fun, and it's a, uh, it's way less time efficient than just paying YNAB. But I have enjoyed the process, and so far, learned a lot. Yeah, you don't have to deal with duplicate transactions. 
Um, <laughs> it's funny though that you're you know delving into the side project because I was contemplating doing the same thing, but YNAB YNAB has an API and you can pull mm. basically all your data through it. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, I hate these reports, and obviously I want any time I've budgeted money credited money like that that i want that to be part of the report or i want to be able to flip views right between um all the credits versus what's actually mm. been debited so i could do that all myself i had the raw data um so like i pulled some extracts and started looking at the data um and it's kind of messy so i'm not super far down the road i think would need to get more familiar with exactly how i want to do all the pre-processing and transformations of the data because the way it comes out is too raw it's not going to work for my needs um so we'll see where i go um hmm. but yeah i mean it has like a back end which is nice like i'm glad it's there and if even if you're not like a savvy tech savvy person you can um you can you can download the files uh directly just csv so they give you hmm. options so it's, it's pretty yeah, it's pretty good. friendly all right. Well, if you end up doing anything with that, let us know. Yeah, we'll see. I'll probably just continue to complain about the bad reports. <laughs> well, that's a guarantee. That's definitely a guarantee. <laughs> Noted. Okay.